0: about what that means. To live is Christ. John said if you claim to follow Christ you should live as he lived. All who claim to follow Christ should live as he lived. We're in the series in the book of Philippians and we're going to look at a passage uh, the first chapter 19th verse through the 26th Philippians chapter uh, 1 verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about the supply of the Spirit several times in the epistles. We have a supply. Amen? Supply of the Holy Spirit. That's the same Spirit that was in Christ. That's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And that Spirit is supplying us as believers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. As believers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit should control us, it should lead us, it should guide us, it should be transformative in our lives, amen? How many of you know we still have a new nature, an old nature, but there, there's a, a spirit, a new nature, working on the inside of us, amen? And it causes us to live differently. I don't live the way I used to live. I'm still not perfect. I've still got that old nature that I'm dealing with. But I'm I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? And God's Spirit supplies me. According, verse 20, to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death for to me to live is christ and to die is gain that's a the next message we're going to look at the, to die is gain but if i live on, on in the flesh this will mean fruit from my labor he's explaining what, what does it mean to live in, in christ it means that there will be fruit from my labor yet what i shall choose i cannot tell should I live for Jesus, or should I die and go be with him? For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Amen to that. I mean, who wants to live here with all the Republicans and Democrats? Who wants to live here with your next-door neighbor? <laughs> How many of you are ready to go be with Jesus? Come, come quickly, Lord, right? I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's, the next life is going to be a whole lot better than this one. Amen. Nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with all uh, with with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming again to you. So we're going to talk about to live is Christ. To live as Christ. I've gotten smart. So to read my Bible, I will have to have my glasses. But I've been trying to read my notes and go through this, and I figured out, you know what, there are bigger fonts on my computer, so now I have bold print up here. I should not need my glasses, the rest of the message. By the way, somebody brought an organ up here, gave us an organ a while back, so grateful to have an organ. Aren't you you thankful for organ donors? donors? Okay. <laughs> that reminds me, Scott told us a great joke yesterday. Do you know what pirates call Noah's boat? The Ark. <laughs> okay. Alright, back to the message. Back to the message. To to live as Christ. Says, to me, for, for me to live is Christ, to die is vain. We're going to look at this. What does it mean to live is Christ? I think two things that he gives us in the context is always, so we're going to isolate this phrase, but we're not going to eisegete this phrase. In other words, we're not going to, see, we, we eisegete. Christians are great at eisegeting texts. Like, uh, nothing is impossible with God. You know, so I'm going to jump off the cliff and fly. I'm, I'm going to become the next president. So we, we can take that out of context. You're, you're probably not going to be cont- uh, president just because you quote, all things are possible with God. You know, you're, you're probably not going to go buy a lottery ticket and win the lottery because all things are possible with God. You, you're, you're taking a scripture out of context. That's eisegesis. We take a scripture out of its context. Exegesis is studying the scripture in its context. So we're going to isolate this phrase, but we're not going to uh, uh, eisegete it. We're going to exegete it. Okay, we're going to take this phrase in its context, okay? If you're going to effectively study the Scriptures, you've got to study it in the context in which it was written and not make it to mean something that it never meant, like uh, women should never cut their hair, things like that. That's eisegesis right there. That's, that's bad uh, practice of studying Scripture. We've got to read it in context. So what, what does this mean, to live as Christ? Number one, I, I think that it, that it means that, that uh, we, we, are, we have a fruitful labor. We have a fruitful labor. He talks about that verse 22. He says, uh, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. You see that? Fruit. We should be fruitful people. We should be a fruitful people. Amen? And I, I think we really need to be fruitful in the area of disciples. Right? Uh, we, we judge men like how, how big of a, a building can they build? How, how big of a crowd can they gather Uh, How many followers do they have on social media? That's the way in our culture that we judge people. I think we need to look at our lives and say, how how many lives have been impacted with the gospel through my life? How, How many disciples are out there? Because I took some time to spend with people that I invested in them, I shared the scripture with them, I communicated the gospel with them, I ministered to them, I prayed with them in time of need, I reached out to them, I went out of my way to serve them, and because of that, their life has changed. I brought them into a relationship, and I've discipled them, I've helped to get them established in the faith, get them established in the local church, get them established in the Word of God, I've poured my life into somebody, there's a disciple. You know, that's not just for your pastor to do. That's not for staff people to do. That's not for people who are ordained to do. I I don't like the idea of of, uh, clergy and laity. Those are uh, terms that that we don't find in the Bible. It makes a separation. Uh, Clergy means, it comes from the word cleric. It means professional Christians, right? Piper's got a great book out there. Brothers, we are not professionals. It's awesome. He's speaking to, to ministers. We're not professionals. Like, we're, we're, we're not the paid staff. Like, and, and because of that, we're exclusive, and we're the only ones that, that, that do this thing. No, he's called us to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Laity, if anybody calls you a lay minister, tell them to stop. Lay in the Latin, it literally means ignorant and unlearned. So we have the professional ministers and the ignorant and unlearned folks. There's a hierarchy there that was never intended to be. We are all a kingdom of of, of priests. We're all called to ministry. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to make disciples to Jesus, amen? So where's the fruit? We ought to have a fruitful ministry. To live is Christ to us means that we have fruitful labor. We are producing fruit. That labor uh, will be increased for joy. To the to the Philippians, right? He talks about that being confident. of This in verse twenty-five, I know that I shall remain and continue with you, uh, with you all, for your progress and joy of faith. And that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ, right? So, it, the fruit produces joy. It does. Unfruitful lives are unsatisfied lives. Fruit brings satisfaction. Amen? Amen. Fruit brings satisfaction. John chapter 15, verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Disciples bear fruit. Followers of Jesus produce fruit. So number one, to live as Christ means that we produce fruit. Moving on to point number two, and by the way, I only have two points today, which is good because most of my messages are pointless. (laughs) That's what my wife tells me anyway, just kidding. She doesn't, my wife builds me up. I have a great wife. Second point, what does it mean to uh, uh, to, to live as Christ? It means Christ will be magnified in our bodies. And in fact, also when we die, Christ is magnified in our bodies. But, but he, he mentions that in verse 20. He says, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. How is Christ magnified in our bodies? Galatians chapter 2, and I read the entire book of Galatians this week, just Reading through that, I, I think it's a great practice for us as believers to read through Romans and Galatians on a regular basis. If, if not more, at least a year, every year, read through Romans and Galatians. There, there, there's so much sound, it, the, the essence of the Christian faith wrapped up in there in those passages, and it is, it, it is a good exercise, it's a good practice for us to read through Romans and Galatians as believers every single year, do that. Every quarter, every six months. Remind, remind yourself of these things. But I, I read through it, and specifically I, I talked a little bit last Sunday about, about our relationship to the law, and I read back through that. I, I want you to understand this, that, that our, our tithing is not about legalism. It's not bondage. We are not under the law. We are dead to the law, but we are alive to God through Christ Jesus. Jesus. And that produces righteousness, a righteousness in us. How do we as believers relate to the law? The law is one of two things. If, if you are unrighteous, if you are outside of Jesus, because really the only thing that can make us righteous is being covered in Jesus, being under his blood, being in a right relationship with him, it's the only thing that makes us righteous. Our faith in Jesus is the only thing that makes us righteous. Right? So if you're unrighteous outside of Christ, do you know what the law is to you? It is a cruel taskmaster. And it reminds you of your sinfulness. It, it, it puts your sinfulness on blast. It declares every area of your life where you fall short. That's what the law is to us as unbelievers. But you know what the law is to us as believers it is instruction in righteousness how often does the bible say that men of god in the scripture say i love the law people who are in right standing with god love god's law people who are in wickedness and rebellion despise it so i hope that 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 helps to paint the, the clear picture we are not under the bondage of the law we are free to live righteous through Jesus. Does that make sense? Jesus never once broke the law, nor did he encourage us to break the law of God. Understand that. Selah, think about it, meditate on it. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying I live by the faith of the Son of God. To live is Christ. I'm no longer living to the old way. It's not the old man living anymore. What dominates me, what controls me, is this faith that I have in Jesus Christ. That old man has been crucified. He has been put to death, and something new has been born in me. Amen? This is what it means to be a Christian. Scott read a, a passage to us uh, yesterday. Actually, we were cleaning up, and he pulled his Bible out, and he, he used the contemporary English version, and he read to us Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and I just love the way that it, that it read in that, uh, that translation. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Christ encourages you. And his love comforts you. Isn't that awesome? That is just beautiful. Christ encourages you. And his love comforts you. God's spirit unites you. Talking about all of us together. You remember, what's the main problem in this church at Philippi as we've studied through this book? It's division. There's faction in the church. And he's, he's saying Your Christ unites you. If, if you... Are truly following Jesus, you'll be a uniter, not a divider, in the church. If you're divisive in the church, you are not walking like Jesus would walk. Right? Christ unites you, and you are concerned for others, not for yourself. That's the other constant thing. Because what, what causes us to divide in the church? Our agenda, our need our motive. What unites us? Death. It's when we die to self, when we take up our cross and die daily, only then can we be united together as, as the church. When division comes, it's people who have gotten up off of the altar and said, I'm no longer dying to myself. I'm going to do it my way instead of the way of Jesus. That's when disunity comes in. I've got a a need that is more important than everything else, and I'm going to get that need met. Regardless of how I tick everybody else off, how I make anybody else feel, I'm going to get mine. That's what brings disunity in the church. So moving on to verse 2, he says, Now make me completely happy. Live in harmony by showing love for each other. Be united in what you think. As if you were only one person. Listen to the unity that he's, he's declaring here over this, this body. L- love each other. Unite together. Not, not, not over compromised things, but over the truth. That unites us. We, we believe that Jesus was the Son of God. That unites us. We believe that he was virgin born. That unites us. We believe that he died and was put in a grave and on the third day he resurrected. That unites us. We believe that this word is the inspired word of God. That unites us, right? Those are the things where we find unity together. We're not uniting on compromise on things outside of that, but over the parameters that are laid out in the word of God. That unites us. And so he's speaking that over there. Be united together in the way that you think. Be as if you were one person. Don't be jealous or proud. Be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. Care about them as much as you care about yourselves. And think the same way that Christ Jesus thought. And then he goes from there and he begins to talk about how Jesus Humbled himself, though he was equal to God. He came down and he became a man and he became a servant and he served to the point of death. And then God exalted him. What he is doing here, very strategically, is he is striking at the the problem that is really affecting this church to live as Christ. I don't live for my own purpose. I don't live for my agenda, I don't live for my needs. To live is Christ, and here's how it's done. Consider others better than yourself. Serve one another, be like-minded, put your differences aside, and find the agreement and strive together. Live like one person. This is what it means to live is Christ. So I'm going to wrap up with this. First, first it's becoming a joke now. First closing. Hopefully my last closing. I want to tell you what it's not. This is what it doesn't mean when we talk about to live is Christ the works of the flesh Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 this is what it doesn't look like when we live as Christ and the works of the flesh Galatians 5:19 are evident which are idolatry or adultery I'm sorry adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. There's more. That's not all, but that's just a few. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your practice, if this is your normal lifestyle, if this is your normal routine, you may not be saved. You can come to church... You can put your tithe in the offering plate. You can sing the songs. You can say amen at all the wrong points, or all the right points. (laughs) But if this is who you really are, you're not in. We are born again. The ones who were born again are in. The ones who can say the old has passed away. Everything has become new. Those are the ones who are in. We're going to read about those in just a minute. Let's go through this. I'm not going to go into depth on every single one of these. I've done that in the past in a sermon series last year. But I want to look at this. Adultery. The things that are listed here as the works of the flesh. Adultery. I think that's pretty clear. Fornication, which is sexual immorality. It's homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, sexual perversion of any, any kind would, would, would fall under this. The word there is pornea, where we get our word pornography. Uh, uncleanness, outwardly or inwardly. It's, it's, it, it's, it's being lustful. Impure motives. That's what that's talking about. Lewdness. This is talking about unbridled Lust. It can be lust for power, lust for money, lust for sex. It can be lust for alcohol, lust for food, lewdness, unbridled lust, idolatry, worship of false gods, the vices springing from idolatry and peculiar to it. Sorcery this is the word pharmakia, use of drugs, hatred. Being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. I think maybe there was a little bit of this going on at the Church of Philippi. Has anybody ever gotten under your skin? Is there anybody in church that you've gone to church with before that got under your skin? Is there? Don't look around. Is there anybody here? And let's be honest, hatred began to boil. Think about it. I heard a preacher, and this is wrong, I heard a preacher say, I love you, but I don't like you. He said, Jesus said I have to love you, but I don't have to like you. That's wrong. If if there's somebody in this building you don't like, work to get over it. If there's somebody in this building you don't, I say this often, if there's somebody that you don't like, bake a cake for them. Babysit their kids. Go mow their yard. Wash their car, do something to overcome that bitterness in your heart. Yeah. If they're rubbing you the wrong way, get some salve out and get it worked out. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You can do better than that. Oh, come on. Okay, if you're going to start, come on. Go ahead. There you go. Work it out. Amen. You encourage, encourage the preacher and encourage people that need to go make a right. right. Amen. Encourage yourself, maybe. If you're gonna patty cake, go on. No golf clapping around here. All right? Where were we at? Hatred, contentions. This is strife, wrangling. Is there strife among us? Jealousy, the word zealous, emulations, and envious and contentious rivalry rivalry. Do you have a contentious rivalry with someone? Why does he always get to preach? Why do they always pick him to sing the solo? Why why does he always get to play the guitar? Why does pastor talk to him so much? Are you jealous? Right? Or why do they have a friendship? Why why are they so close over there? We get jealous. Why do they have a, a nice car? Is there jealousy in your heart? Outbursts of wrath. This is heated anger. Selfish ambitions. The word here is Euryatheia in the Greek. It's seditions. This is, and just going through the, from a lexicon, understanding the language, it gives the, not American definitions, but the cultural context definitions. It's electioneering or intriguing for an office. It's according distinction. In other words, you're jockeying for position. A desire to put oneself forward. A partisan and fractious spirit. You know what? One of my favorite things to do is like when, when I have felt like in my spirit I've identified somebody to lead something, and I go to them and say, "They, they say I, I, I don't think I can do that. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough." That thrills me. I get excited about that. Most of the time, that's an indication I've found the right person. There's a humility there. Amen? There, there, there's an edge like, hey, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. If, if, I, I'd rather have that than somebody that's always eager to get promoted. Does that make sense? So this word, athea. Uh, u- 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 Selfish ambitions, seditions, translated that way in different Bible translations. What it is, is it's conduct of speech inciting people to rebel against God-ordained authority. Let me say that again. This is my wife said well. She she probably needs to hear it again. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Conduct of speech inciting people to rebel against God-ordained authority. This is selfish, ambition, sedition. In some translations, that's what this is. You're you're, you're trying to prom- promote yourself, to pro- promote an idea. I, I, I'm kind of laboring here, and, and the reason is the context of what we're studying. I really think that at the heart of this letter, this is really what Paul is getting at. He addresses in chapter 4, Yodia and Syntyche, and he says, be of the same mind. He didn't put them on blast. He didn't, he didn't, I wish I knew what they were arguing about. I, I wish I knew what the contention was about. We don't know. Maybe they didn't like the worship service, how, they, how it was conducted. Maybe they didn't like the way that, that uh, the, the finances of that, that church at Philippi were being distributed. Maybe they didn't like a certain leader had been put in it. We don't know what the argument's about. But these women are going into the church and they're trying to promote some kind of an agenda that is opposed to what God has set in order in that house. And because of that, there's divisiveness. That is the theme of this book that we've been studying. We've been talking about that. That's the theme of this. M- moving on. Next, next word would, would be dissensions. Division. If you're causing division, you're not walking like Jesus. Heresies. Dissensions arising from diversities of opinions. Right? How many of you have an opinion? Anybody? Everybody. Right, the saying is true. Opinions are like noses; everybody's got one. You know, you know what I've learned. This is, I believe, this came from one of my mentors, Van Gill, if I'm not mistaken. This is a principle that I've learned to try to live by. The only place where I need to have an opinion is a place where I have the influence. We could look at the church across town or the preacher on television and have our opinions about them. I could get up here and I could blast that preacher. I could blast the person across town. I could blast somebody living a lifestyle in this church or doing, doing certain things. I could put them on blast. But it does absolutely no good unless I have influence in this situation. So I have some influence in this church, right? hopefully. Hopefully, as a pastor, I have some influence. So my, my opinion should matter. Amen. Amen. We, we have leadership on our worship team. So you know what I don't do? I don't show up at the worship practice and give my opinion. This should be this way. That should be that way. But you know what I will do? I'll go to where I do have influence. And it's with the leadership team of the worship team. I'll give my opinion. And only in a way that's gonna build. Only in a way that's positive. If I can't do that, you know what I have to do is shut my mouth. We're about to get to the good part here. We're, we're about to see what it does mean to live as Christ in just a second. Envy. Envy is ill will. Jealousy. Murders. Pro, uh, phonos. Slaughter. Murder, that's what that word means. Drunkenness. Intoxication and drunkenness. Revelries. What, what is revelries? Listen, listen to this. this. These are the you know cultural definitions right here. A nocturnal and riotous procession of half-drunken and frolicsome fellows who after supper parade through the streets with torches and music in honor of Bacchus or some other deity and sing and play before houses of male and female friends, hence used generally of feasts and drinking parties that are... Protracted till late at night and indulge in revelry. You get the idea there, right? Nocturnal, late night, partying and rioting and drunkenness. And then he says, and the like. There are many other works of our flesh. He goes on and he says, Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask my wife to come. I'm going to read the good part. This, this is what it means to live as Christ. That's what it doesn't mean to live as Christ. If we're living drunken lifestyles. If uh, we're in heresies, if we're in division, if we're in sedition, if we're murderers, we're not living as Christ. Here's what it means to live as Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 26. The Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. This is what it means to live is Christ. There is, we, 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 we tend to glaze over words and passages, but there is a great weight to what Paul is saying here. For me to live is Christ. He set himself up as the example in the beginning of this. We look at this, the first verse. Paul, the servant. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, the doulos of Jesus. He humbles himself from the onset of this. He presents Jesus as the humble God who stepped down out of heaven and became a man and died for his creation. It talks about how God, because of that, has exalted him. He's giving them an example. The way that we build the kingdom of God is humbling ourselves to live as Jesus. And this is the the, the ultimate example. Humble themselves, even to the place of death. And because of that, God exalted him. Listen, stop trying to exalt your opinion. Stop trying to exalt your position. Stop trying to get your way. Stop trying to manipulate. Stop trying to advance your agenda. Stop trying to get those needs that you have, and they're genuine needs. They're real needs, they're hurts, there's things on the inside of you that you need satisfied. But striving in the flesh will not get it done. Living as Jesus lived is the way to do this. That's the whole theme of this entire book. We have to do it the Jesus way. We can't do it our own way. Right? He goes through in, in, in the next chapter, he begins to talk about how everything that he had accomplished is a dung pile, a trash heap. None of it means anything. And he is now striving that he would make the mark of the high calling, the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the life that God's called us to live. A life of striving towards the high mark that, that is set for us in Jesus Christ. Amen. To live like Jesus. That's our goal. That's our ambition, to live like Jesus. And then this is pure joy and satisfaction. It's joy because whenever somebody wrongs me, I don't have to look for revenge. I can step back and forgive them and say that vengeance belongs to God, amen? When somebody curses me, I can bless them, and I'm not saying I always do this. You don't always do it. We mess it up at least half the time. But the joy in life is striving to live like this, learning to live like this, not doing it our way, not doing it in the flesh, not doing it the way the world does it, but living like Jesus lives. I don't have to advance an agenda. I don't have to do this. I don't have to, right? Think about the joy of living in Jesus. To live is Christ. That's joy. That satisfaction, amen? amen. What does it mean for me to live as Christ? It's the aim and the goal of our Christian faith, right? In order to do this, we have to die to self. We have to put ourselves on the altar and never get up. We have to find ourselves hidden in Jesus, wrapped in Him, enveloped in Him. Our lives are hidden in Him, amen? My life is not my own. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. I don't do things the way that I used to do it because whenever I used to do it that way, when somebody spoke to me the wrong way, you know what I did? Right in the eye. I'm serious. That was the old me. He's dead. He's dead. John Alexander better be glad because I would have popped him already. (laughs) Smart enough to me. How many of you can relate? How many of you know what that old nature is about? How many of you know what it means to taste the goodness of living in Jesus? Amen? It's what God's intended for us. It's the whole point of this book, and it's probably going to take me the next two years to keep explaining all this but we're gonna get it, we're gonna get it. Let's stand together. Here's what I wanna do, I wanna open up this altar. If you're tired of doing it that way, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's church, maybe it's vocation, maybe it's anger, maybe it's sexual lust, whatever it is, whatever. I wanna open this altar up and I want you to come and put yourself on this altar We're going to sing this song. We sang it during the worship, but I want it to become your heart's cry this morning. Come and say, Lord, I want to live in you. I'm tired of the frustration. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the bitterness. I'm tired of the angst. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of jockeying for position I'm trying to do it I'm tired of trying to do it my way if that's what you want to say to the Lord today I want you to come down to this altar and I want you to allow the Lord to minister to you listen I hear people saying all the time I want to move of God listen God says this to you this morning he's waiting on you to move stop looking for the move and move and you'll experience the move come on come on let God minister to you in this altar this morning I believe he's going to meet us in a powerful way Father God, Kingly right now, in the name of Jesus.
1: World you created, treating your crown for a cross. You willingly died, your innocent life beat the cost. You counted your status as nothing. The king of all kings came to serve, washing my feet, covering me.
0: I'm gonna, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're not gonna rush out of here. I feel like God wants to do something in this building today, so I'm not gonna to rush to exit. If you need to go, I'm gonna dismiss you in just a second, and you can do that. But I, I believe we need to come to an altar. We need to blow some stuff out of our system. We need to put some things in order. We need, to, God, to re- recalibrate our motive. We need renewal. We need refreshing. We need an outpouring of God's spirit. We need to be re-energized. So listen, if you need to go, you're dismissed. This is the last dismissal. i want to invite you to come down to this altar and worship God, pour it out right here on this altar. Some of you need an encounter with God. It's been a long time. Some of you need to be filled. You've never experienced the baptism of God's spirit. You need to be filled, come down and get it. Some of you have had that, but you are dry. Come and be refilled.